Okay, all flight controllers, go, no, go for landing. Retro. Go. Righto. Go. Guidance. Go. Control. Go. Telcom. Go. GNC. Go. Ecom. Go. Surgeon. Go. Capcom, we're go for landing. Beautiful downtown Southern Maryland. It's time for Gears of Resistance, episode ninety. Finally, oh man, what a year life it's been! It has been crazy, but I'm finally getting the kick in the butt to try to really start doing this on at least bi-weekly basis. I know I keep saying that, and it never works out. But this time, really, it's different for no other reason other than it's COVID world. It's been a long time. The world's changed since we last slopped. Um, you would think that starting back in like March, I would have had plenty of time. But that's not the case. I think like a lot of people is like, it's like just getting used to a whole new life. And that was hard. Uh, not just for myself, my daughter. Um, but we're finally there. We're getting to just ramp up the new school year here. And... Um, I feel like it's time to make some changes, and one of the things I'm going to get back into is into the media creation and podcasting and sharing exactly what I've been doing and uh, some cool things that we've been working on. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get started with a couple news stories here, um, some things that have come out in the last uh, probably couple weeks, um, and hopefully it'll be uh, of interest to you. So... Uh, anyone who's been following for the last couple of months, years, again, apologize for the, the amount of time it's been away. I think I recorded the last episode almost a year ago. Um, anyway, so since then, Arduino's announced um, a whole uh, change to not just their new hardware lineups with their maker boards um, uh, and, and their professional grade, the Portana. I don't know. But they're finally making a play uh, into the professional space, uh, not just to be a, uh, a tool for artists or, or the weekend hobbyists or makers. Um, so with that, they've released uh, some software, uh, If you, in case you've been living under a rock, uh, a command line interface, a little executable that you can uh, run and interact with your boards and upload your firmware via a command line. Um, and that's kind of enabled them to redevelop the entire IDE. So uh, one of the selling points of Arduino has always been the, the very, very simple um, uh, integrated development environment, IDE. Um, really pretty much like kind of like a kind of a slightly souped up text editor, right? Um, and it allows you to basically plug in a board. The big change was... Um, instead of having a hardware debugger or, uh, um, you know, having to buy additional hardware and, and then and having to, like, you know, find the right pins on a microcontroller, what Arduino kind of did was put it, you know, onto um, a, a PCB and made it simply as plug-and-play as possible to plug in a microcontroller into your computer and basically hit file upload and you're done. Um now, with the Pro, so the, again, so that, that's been around, what, I guess 10, 15 years now? I think they've celebrated 15 years recently. Um, and while that was, it's good and it got a lot of people in and it 
certainly with this push into the professional space, one of the big things that people complained about was the lack of a, de- uh, of a debugger, um, short of running a hardware debugger. Now, you can run, um, they've had some support in like Atmel Studio um, for, I think it's the Arduino Zero, um, but that's the only board that I'm aware of uh, that has taken advantage of the EDBG uh, port um, that is found on the zero. So the push is to make this, um, to make the, the ability to do uh, debugging across the entire portfolio, um, which I think is probably the biggest push for, for people to be able to like, you know, put breakpoints in and see what's happening and read out the registers. Um, that'll be coming within the new Arduino Pro ID. Now I'm assuming that they'll keep They'll keep developing the the standard IDE that we all know and some love, some hate, uh, in addition to the new one. Um, but anyway, um, just this week they they launched a, a pretty big update. They went from zero version zero point zero point six to zero point one, uh, meaning they're getting a little bit closer to that you know that initial release. Um, some of the highlights they introduced the ability to do high level update, outdated, and upgrade commands to make the Arduino command line. Oh, this is best of the command line real quick. Uh, have like a package manager kind of feel to it. Um, and then with the, the Pro IDE, um, it's, uh, they've kind of cleaned up the, uh, the, the, the menu is a little, even I was trying to, I was trying to do it for some projects, but it kind of, eh, it was still a little janky yet to be used for real. Um, but they also did also edit the ability to support uh, upload using external programmers in this new version, which I think, um, again, kind of like you know, Back to the Future for some people. Yes, they've had that um, in the in the in the original, and they're now kind of just still adding new features. But overall, I like the way I think where they're going with the Pro ID, and again, it's it's a, they're considering an alpha build, not even a beta build yet. I think it's promising, and I I think that um, it's certainly going to um have an impact i just don't know how big of an impact but i think um they're pushing to the professional space with their you know with their uh 5g kind of boards things with like um laura laura wan um and the gateways that they're putting out working on i think they partnered with uh raspberry pi folks but anyway it's pretty cool check it out if you haven't uh, we're not quite using it yet for, for production stuff, but, um, it certainly uh, gives you a taste of where they're headed. Um, all right, enough of that. Obviously I'm a, an Arduino fanboy. Uh, let's see here. If, uh, if you're looking for, uh, so let's keep with the embedded world, uh, Helios, there's a free embedded operating system, um, that works for Arduino. So if you're looking for something, um, if you if you need a little bit of a of um, a basic task scheduler, basically, um, so somewhere between like a, I think that they're trying to aim it is it's somewhere between an RTOS and you know these I think it's a task schedule. I know some of the newer Arduino boards um, do have a task scheduler now um, or have the that ability that functionality. Um, so the uh, Helios uh, will just um, 
Really, it's it's uh, they have it on uh, their the Arduino's Create. I guess it's kind of like their project hub. Um, and we'll read their overview here. It says Helios was written with hobbyists, enthusiasts, and researchers in mind who want functionality that exists uh, more functionality than what exists in existing task schedulers, yet want to avoid the size and complexity of an RTOS. Helios has only twenty one function calls and implements a variety of functionality, including cooperative multitasking, event-driven multitasking, task notification slash messaging, timers, and managed memory. Uh, not only is Helios uh, easy to use, it is conveniently available through the Arduino IDE Library Manager or from GitHub as a zip file. So I have not found an excuse to play with this yet, but it is like in my top of my, ooh, I want to play and see and learn about this. Um, and again, we'll put the links to all this stuff in the show notes. Um, all right. Let's see here. Some other things that piqued my interest this past uh, um, couple months, couple weeks, I'll share. So this whole, uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, certainly at the peak when we were, um, or early, I don't want to say peak, I don't know if we're, we're here in the United States, probably haven't reached our peak yet. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll save myself uh, any of that, but uh, this whole COVID kind of it, it opened up a discussion on the right to repair is the bottom line. I want to get to that too. So uh, it's kind of political and kind of not political. I'm going to avoid the real political stuff, but um, it was uh, basically, um, you know, in this in this in this massive global pandemic, um, the supply and demand kind of basically it exposed a lot of ugliness into our um, supply chain um, and certainly uh, supply and demand and just basically ventilators were just, it was very hard to find ventilators um, early on. And yet there was a lot of sitting in hospitals broken, um, but there was just no way to get them repaired. Um, At least not the way, um, I guess you will say, quote unquote, legally or at least following whatever sort of agreement. So basically um, a couple stories came out uh, about, the right to repair, um, and um, the ability to actually to fix what you own, the ability from everything to get you know getting access to the necessary parts, to even just getting um, you know schematics. Um, basically, it really exposed in 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 a very real, very human story way that, um, you know, proprietary is great, but, um, I think there has to be a balance. And I, and I always think that healthcare, if I always put one thing in the exception of like pure capitalism, it's healthcare, right? That it's, you know, I'm all for capitalism, except when it comes to, um, to, uh, healthcare, and that extends in from just just the you know the paying of healthcare all the way down into how technology um, and patents and uh, right to repair uh, and open source. So, so this one story. So I'll, I'll share a couple stories. One that talks about um, just the whole thing about right to repair. Then there was one about how uh, everyone from Tesla to I think Boeing to Ford. Everyone got into the open source development ventilators, basically MacGyver styling them. Um, and then there was also the the interesting story um, about I guess there was um, uh, 
some we would call it gray gray hat hacking the gray market where um there was some dongles you you could buy these D- USB dongles from uh Poland um that um allowed technicians to repair um bricked um ventilators so I like a ventilator that like had a bad software update or even if it got updated god knows um and um so basically these folks found a way to uh uh basically a lot of it was actually they were uh taking like a couple broken ones and building it and putting them together to make one at least one or two functional ones and um they you know security this is where like there's this interesting I take, I live in this world of where I've got both feet on both sides of the fence when it comes to ease of use and the maker kind of concept versus the security, right? Like sometimes I don't know if those worlds are really completely compatible. Um, I somewhere, you know, I almost feel like sometimes it's almost mutually exclusive, but, um, the right to repair DIY, the ability to tinker versus security and, and, and preventing hacking. So anyway, this was a very, another interesting story. Um, kind of it's, you could argue it's a cybersecurity, uh, article. You could argue it's a DIY maker kind of thing. Um, it's a very interesting story. And again, it just, it really, I go back to it. It illustrates that, the one positive I hope comes out of this whole global pandemic thing is that we really rethink healthcare um, from everything from how we pay for it, from what it means, from the from from where you go to get healthcare to um, how we we think about how we pay people. I mean, you hear some of the stories about you know how we've treated doctors and nurses, um, the the lack of the production line. I mean, if you just think the whole freaking disaster this has been um hopefully the one thing that will come out of it is we will uh double down because it's it's one of those things the healthcare and i try to explain why why i hold my views is that everything else with capitalism right if i buy something and it's only for me you know and i use it abuse it whatever it's mine cool healthcare is that thing where it doesn't matter just because you're rich enough or you've got you live in, a, in the right part of the world where you have access to something great but health and viruses and pandemics don't care about who has access and doesn't have access to health care it, it it's it it will spread regardless so it's one of those things where because it's so different you just just because you have 50 or 60 or 80 or 90 percent of your people taken care of doesn't matter if that's not 100 percent, it don't matter so we really got to rethink healthcare, um and and just what that even means like what does because right now you know I agree with 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 we don't really we don't really keep people healthy we just try to repair broken people like we, we, we do a shitty and I'm certainly guilty of um, you know not having the best health practices but you know being more holistic and treating people um, and preventing versus just you know uh, managing pain. Um, anyway, that's my rant on healthcare. Um, and there's again, a couple articles that we will share about that. Uh, all right. So some other things that we've been playing around with, 
Um, Arduino has released uh, an app for IoT Cloud Remote App. Unfortunately, it's only for iPhone as of right now. Um, oh, wait, nope. It's now in the Google Play Store. Here we go. Um, so, uh, again, if you've, if you've been playing with Arduino and there you subscribe to, I think it's like six or seven bucks a month um, to do any kind of doing the stuff in the cloud for everything from an IDE in the cloud to um, a dashboard for your Internet of Things devices. Um, they've just released an app. Um, and speaking of that app, this is kind of actually ties into it. If you've been, uh, if you've, uh, played around with this, the Google had an app or has an app called the science journal. Um, it's kind of an app that takes advantage of all the sensors in your smartphone, be it, um, uh, uh, temperature, the gyro, uh, the accelerometers. And it basically, it lets you do kind of like some basic science experiments. You could use the, you could use the accelerometers and put your, um, put it, um, put your phone like on like a skateboard and use like um, a fire extinguisher to propel it like a kind of like a rocket and you can see how like the acceleration causes uh, the graphs charts and all that cool sciencey things that you did back in high school and that you have done since um, but anyway apparently uh, Arduino has bought them or I guess op- or Google is giving it to Arduino to manage um, so that's cool um, I'm assuming this will kind of wrap all into the app or it'll be a standalone app. But I really like the Science Journal. We've, we've used it for a couple, um, like, STEM things with some folks, uh, some kids, and it was really cool. It's very simple to use, um, and it makes, you know, anything that makes science, for me at least, visual, um, is pretty cool. Um, and it looks like it'll be coming to the Arduino to take care of all the Arduino goodness um, that's possible. I'm like, I'm thinking like they're and the maker environmental shield. That might be pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Some other things I'll just throw out. Um, uh, there's a story here. There's an article. Uh, Arduino put out a security primer on how to, how to work in making your devices secure for Arduino stuff. Um, oh, uh, let's see here. This was a cool open source uh, application specific integrated circuit. Um, let's see here. So there's um, some ASIC tools that have been released from Google and a company called Skywater Technology um, that should hopefully make it easier to um, create your own integrated circuits. So back in my computer, in my undergraduate days um, at UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, the big computer, big thing, computer engineering, I think they've since diversified, but um, back in the olden days, uh, VLSI, very large scale integrated circuit design was the, was all the rage. I remember using the thing that was called Cadence um, and uh, basically for what, what an ASIC is, is basically... Um, so let's run through microcontrollers, kind of like, um, uh, uh, they're kind of like, think of it like those as kind of like, take everything about a computer and put it into one little thing and let it have the ability to interact with the real world. Um, you know, so if that's your starting point, then you've been hearing lately, um, FPGA, so field programmable gate array. So the idea is microcontrollers, you program with code. Um, 
you sort of program FPGAs. You use a language usually called um, uh, VH, VHDL or uh, Verilog, and you not really programming it so much as you are basically you're, you're, you're reconfiguring the internal components, they call them logic cells, to actually perform different electronic components. You're really, you're kind of programming, but you're actually building the hardware with an FPGA. Um, and a lot of people use FPGAs as a way to prototype a concept, and then when they figure that, they, when, they're, when they're happy with the design, it meets their performance, and they're ready to um, commit to silicon, your next step is to make an application-specific integrated circuit. In other words, you kind of go to a hard, you kind of hard code your, your circuit design. So an FPGA is reprogrammable. Uh, an ASIC is, 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 it's like you stamped it out and it's done. If you want to change it, you've got to go back and make new chips. Um, and we're, we're slowly getting into the world where, so microcontrollers, you know, are really easy to program now, especially if you're a maker, DIY. Um, then if, uh, FPGAs are starting to get there a little bit. I've been playing around with one from SparkFun called Alcatree. There's Alcatree AU and an Alcatree CU, gold and copper. Um, so one's obviously a little bit more higher end, one's a little bit lesser, but it's cheaper, so it gets you into the gate. Um, and uh, I think that's programmable. Pro those are both um, programmable in. Um, I think it's Verilog, and there's a language out there called um, Lucid, I think, that I've, I have never used, but we're playing around with that. So again, VHDL, Verilog are the ones that I grew up with. Uh, Lucid apparently is this kind of newcomer that's trying to make it a little bit easier. Um, but these other boards, um, from they're calling a company called Alcatree, and I guess SparkFund is now producing the boards on their behalf. But uh, anyway, um, that's FPGAs. And then I was apparently, again, Google and this other company are looking to make ASIC design um, simpler. In my mind, there's kind of like, you know, there, there's certainly differences. It's certainly there's differences because um, FPGA, you're pretty much writing with what looks like code. Um, whereas with, at least in my experience with, with chip design, again, that was only as an undergraduate um, it's kind of almost more like a CAD feeling, right? You're, you're, you're laying down different layers, copper, uh, or, uh, I guess aluminum or gold, whatever. Um, and then the, your, your, um, the, the, your doping, the different, uh, silicon with like, is it boron and, oh my God, if I would go back, if I had to go back and take my test again right now, I'd, I'd fail. But, um, anyway, there's, whereas, so my point is simply FEGAs are kind of like more, if, you're, if you've dealt with software, you feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, ASIC design, actually designing a chip is more kind of a feel like um, PCB layout, right? Um, it's more of a graphical thing. So anyway, it's cool. I'm glad to see that both FPGAs and ASICs are, are there people trying to make that easier. Um, I know there was some article a couple of years ago about 3D printing, uh, like uh, entire electronic circuits. Um to lay out your design and then kind of 3D print it. I would love to live in that world. Um, I'm just not sure how long or how far away that will be. Um, anyway, if there's anything else I missed, I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. But anyway, so we've been working on here. So that, that wraps up kind of like the news segment. 
um, kind of just sharing what we've been working on here. Um, so with this whole COVID thing, right, and people trying to get back into works, you know, some some businesses are going and saying, hey, you know what, we're going to go full um, uh, telework. You know, other jobs, it's, it's just not possible. Sometimes you have to be um, at least come in for a while, uh, maybe not every day. But uh, that got us thinking. We were looking um, uh, last year. I was at a um, energy conference, and there was I think it was Honeywell, and they had like their five um, uh, five things that they monitor to kind of determine if a if a office space is healthy. And it's like temperature, humidity, noise, ambient light, and CO two levels. I believe is what they monitor. Um, so that got me thinking with this whole pandemic. Um, you know, could we build, and these devices with Honeywell, it was like, I want to say it was, it was not cheap. Um, and we're trying to figure out maybe do a kind of a, a DIY design that people could either, uh, build themselves or, um, at least we could sell it in kind of a kit fashion. So anyway, we've been working with, we've gone, we've gone kind of done, um, competing designs to see what is better, um, and so we've been playing with the our maker Arduino Maker 1010, um, and the Maker Environmental Shield, um, and then we also wanted to use. I've been wanting to use um, again for proto like trying to prototype how we prototype kind of thing. Um, so I've been interested in using the SparkFun, the Quick uh, Connect system that lets you uh, really connect really easily connect different uh, I2C devices. Um, so we've also been going down the route of a, um, um, what did we build that one based on? Uh, one of their SparkFun redboards, so what is the Artemis Nano, which is like, it's amazing. It's like $15. Like all my sensors are more expensive than the actual microcontroller and with all the connectivity. Um, so we, the one thing that, so we started down the, we started with the, Mar the SparkFun Artemis Nano they have a couple uh, quick uh, connectors that did a lot of stuff we wanted, um, but didn't have wireless. So then we kind of went back and said, "All right, well, let's let's look at the our, the Maker's 1010 um, with Wi-Fi." But then we kind of kept the other one going too, just because uh, you know there are probably some folks that uh, would appreciate having a device that does not have wireless or any sort of internet connectivity. Maybe that one is monitored monitor it locally so uh we and we've ex kind of expanded out so we've actually added some other sensors um beyond what the honeywell folks um uh so what do we add we've added a uh temperature uh atmospheric pressure uh co2 humidity ambient light um noise um, volatile organic compounds, TVOC, and particulate matter, um, I think down to 2.5 micrometers. So we have, um, I think it's like eight or nine different data points. Um, and these are all using actually the, so the, so the Arduino 1010, Maker 1010, their environmental shield, and then a bunch of breakout boards from Adafruit. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll share all the link to that. Um, it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, 
and it connects to who are we using as our IoT? Uh, ThingSpeak is who we're using right now. So if you see the code, you'll you'll see ThingSpeak. Um, the only thing problem with that one, at least the version we're using, like the free version, just to prototype, it's only it lets um. You can send ten data points at a time, eight or maybe eight. It's like eight data points at a time. You can't send more than eight. So that's what's limiting us. We could do a lot of other things too. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we'll see how that goes and we'll keep sharing that one. Um, and then just real quick. So um, my uh, so I bought a, a new uh, digital multimeter. Um, not a fancy fluke. I still, I don't know. Maybe one day there is the, the, the Fluke 101, but um, I really wanted a... Uh, so, the, so the ones I've had, I have an old Craftsman that I love. Um, it has like a little really basic oscilloscope in there. Um, it's like the one I got from like back in high school or growing into college. Um, but I've had two um, pretty maker-friendly... Um, not nothing professional, but they, they've all been, uh, they haven't been auto ranging. So, uh, it's been a pain in the butt cause I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll get a, I'll get my little leads onto a, a two test points. Um, and then it'll, I'm in the wrong, I'm in, I forgot that it's set. I'm in the wrong range. Right. So I got to take my hand away, go back. So anyway, I found this, um, it's, it's a, it's a little Chinese, uh, knockoff Kaiwets K A I W E E T S digital multi manner. Um, I just got it today. I played around with it. It looks pretty nice. Uh, the thing I like about it again, it has um, multi uh, auto ranging, which is nice for me. Uh, it measures down into the microamp range. Um, again, we'll we'll figure out and do see how accurate it is. Um, uh, capacitance. It has the temperature leads. Um, to do temperature, um, and it can do uh, frequency. So the only thing that I that I haven't seen, I have my old. I think my one of them does uh, inductance. Not that I really ever use it, um, but these are these amazing. It's thirty five bucks, um, and if it's even you know halfway decent for my needs. Um, It'll be it'll hopefully be a smart investment. Anyway, I'll put the link to what it to the one we bought, um, and um, yeah. All right, so let me just go through and check. I've got any other things to talk about? No, I think that covers it. So um, yeah, we're going to be back. Uh, Gearsofresistance.com. I'm gonna to try to do bi-weekly. I actually did pretty good writing some articles over the the break over the COVID. So there's some cool articles. Um, at least I think they're cool, right? Uh, let's see here. What do we talk about? I think we kind of uh, oh we got sent a Sale logic analyzer for some of our work on our COVID stuff. Um, so we did a little rundown on the Sale logic analyzer and I squared C addresses. Um, so there's a little there's a little interest about. Uh, how I2C addresses are, are read and the read-write bit. So if you get flummoxed on, you know, you'll read like 
set your address to this to communicate, and then you set the address and it's not what you put on what you see on your logic analyzer isn't the same. We explain a little bit of the differences there. Um, we played with a Node MCU and controlling that, writing uh, having it serve up a web page for for you to be able to control it. Uh, we talked we talked about the IO, Arduino IoT Cloud. Um, we're not really using that one, but we we did play with it, so that's there. Uh, and we got the Great Fet, um, which is a follow-on to the Good Fet, and we were able to get the firmware running to emulate a bus pirate. So you can now use your Great Fet to um, look like a bus pirate. And and uh, again, if you're tinkering with like uh, I squared C, it's a it's a pretty good little tool. Um, Anyway, oh, and we also we do we also played with GNU Radio and uh, the Hack RF One. Um, there were some changes to uh, we were using what do they call them? radiograms? What's the name of it? Um, it had changed. I guess they had gotten rid of um, WX GUI and they moved to QT GUI, um, and that affected some of our. Um, some of our uh, source code, so or I forgot flow graphs, and we had to change that. So anyway, um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and launch this one. Um, Gearsofresistance.com will be links to everything else we do where we're at. Um, also tinkering with uh, a GoPro Hero Eight, and maybe do some videos um, on some projects we're doing too, and put those up on YouTube. Um, all right. So with that, thank you all very much for listening. Um, until next time, stay quirky, keep it steamy, make it better perpetually. Uh